Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning. We are very glad that you have joined us today. And we have a really good show in mind to talk with you about today. I think that we cannot do too many shows on how to transition properly, how to really take a look at what it is you want to do, what it is you've done in the past, where you'd like to go, and, and what what is your path going forward. Because I think once you're in the military, you really have a path that's drawn out for you for the large part. But when you come out, you can recreate yourself in any way that you wish based on the skills, your transformative powers, and your communication. We're going to talk today to Matthew Lewis, who is a graduate of West Point, a retired lieutenant colonel. And what I find the most important is not only did he spend 25 years in uniform, but he also spent 20 years in the corporate world. And so by looking at it from both sides, it really does give a perspective of how to coach both those transitioning and employers on how to hire and support veteran employees. And I'm going to bring Matt into the show right now because I think we have lots to talk about. So, Matt, welcome to our program. Linda, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, what you do here at Military Network Radio is incredibly valuable uh, to your listening audience and those that are transitioning from the military. Um, I'm very anxious to share uh, what I the content within my, my new book here, uh, Mission Transition, and look forward to getting into the discussion. I do too, and I really think that you bring a different perspective than we've had other transition type shows, and each one has had a little different take, which I think is really excellent because not everyone is the same. There is no one size fits all. There are some common denominators that are, are best when handled well. The perspective that you bring to the table is slightly different, and I think that <laughs> I think we've got a dual issue here today that I'd like to sort of focus on through all of our segments, and that is when you leave the military, the intentions are good. They try and give you information through the TAFs program and others that that make it work, but we often need to take on the responsibility as the veterans themselves, the service members transitioning out, that things are going to be different, that you need to talk to your colleagues. You need to know what it is you want. And sometimes that self-reflection really hasn't taken place. So we've got a dual issue here of being prepared by the military to go out, but also the veterans being prepared. And it's a personal responsibility. And I think identifying who you are uh, is one of the biggest things because how much introspection did you do before you left? Yeah, well, my story is an interesting <laughs> one. I, I got out uh, uh, well, well north of 20 years ago, uh, well, all the way back in 1996, uh, mm -hmm. and that's when I left active duty. Uh, lest your audience, given your 25 and 20 year figures earlier, uh, think I'm a really, really old guy. Uh, I did. <laughs> You I did a good 12, portion right? of my 25 years in the reserves uh, <laughs> right. 
yeah, the fact remains 25 years in uniform of some sort and 20 right. years and counting in the corporate world. But when I left in 96, uh, there was, and I, I'm an army guy. So right. at that point in time, the, uh, the, the class was called, uh, um, army career alumni program, ACAP mm-hmm. for short, okay. uh, which was administered literally within the last week, uh, of right. my, uh, time in service. And at that point, as transitioning veterans well know, uh, they're juggling, you know, hundreds of other uh, issues, uh, both in getting out as well as where they're going to, to settle, family-related family, family related issues and whatnot. And uh, there's very little time, at least way back then, to focus on any of that. It became more or less a, a check-the-block exercise. Uh, to your point, the support provided them in the form of Soldier for Life Transition Assistance Program has improved dramatically, and uh, I'm glad to see that. Uh, uh, but the issue will remain, I believe. It, it will not uh, meet all of the needs of, of everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm not here to, to bash the, the program, uh, but it, it, it just it, it won't because, let's it face it, 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 it does. And, you know, if, if I'm the Pentagon and I have limited uh, capital in which mm-hmm. to allocate on an annual basis, where am I going to allocate that? Mm-hmm. It inevitably will go to, to mission first, right. uh, which translates into to beans and bullets and what have you. Uh, and helping people get out of the service uh, tends to uh, fall to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Even though I would argue that uh, it quickly becomes a, a mission-focused item because if those that are getting out of the military uh, are talking to others around the country about their experience, and if their experience in getting out was not a positive one, the recruits that the military is targeting uh, will be tainted with that information. And so exactly. it, it, would, it would behoove um, you know, the, the, all of the services uh, to do their best to help tra- veterans transition successfully. I, I agree. And I think two things. One, we agree on that point, and I think that they have improved it. They're moving it further back, giving it months before. They're encouraging people to create their resumes early and to network, something that is not always natural to most veterans. But I also think it brings it back to the veteran needs to take personal responsibility for where they want to go, what they want to do next. And we have been at war for such a long time and people are leaving whether medically or it's time for them to move on to the next career or whatever they want to choose to do. And they are getting much, much better because these conversations are sparked everywhere around the country. And I think that they are better understanding that they can't expect the civilian world to understand their world that they have to learn to speak a different language. They have to learn to stand differently, to be addressed differently. One of the biggest complaints I hear from veterans is that they they lose their identity because no longer are they captain. No longer are they corporal. That's right. And they're not called by their last name. Um, there's just these little things that are, they're not really little, but they are significant in terms of how they perceive themselves. So let's ask that question. When you're, you're looking to, to go out, do you think that that message is now getting out more than it has been in the past? Well, only because 
the the myriad of people uh, trying to address it. You obviously among them, uh, and many others. Uh, you have a number of co-hosts here that uh, I'll call mm-hmm. out Justin Constantine for one. Of course, He's in the market with his own book. Uh, and literally thousands of nonprofits in this space uh, mm-hmm. trying to help out uh, veterans writ large and some of them within the, the transition vehicle. I'd, I'd like to circle back on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, to your point, uh, you know, whether it's uniform in coming out, one of the things that's not pondered back to your point around self-reflection, which, you know, I did not <laughs> do very successfully <laughs> Uh, what I've come to understand through, you know, my, my long time in the corporate world that there are many, many, uh, I'll call them cultural dimensions yes. that uh, a transitioning veteran experience and usually simultaneously if they transition uh, into a, a corporate setting or for that matter, even to uh, a school well, I, I use graduate school as my transition vehicle, for example. And mm-hmm. I, I still encountered some of these, but not to the extent uh, as I did when I finally landed in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And so in my book, and there are several chapters I devote to this and peeling back the onion on all of these multiple cultural dimensions, it, it, it spans the spectrum, everything from th- their purpose. In, in the military, it's very simple. It's mission first. Um, uh, the the corporate well, of course, all of these organizations have missions, but suddenly there's – unless you're working for a nonprofit, there tends to be a profit motive involved, which is very different. Yes. Uh, leadership basis in the military work as a team, uh, depending on what type of entity you're matriculating into, in the corporate world, it tends to be uh, individuals. Uh, if you're working for, let's say, a small entrepreneurial effort, it tends to be more team-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you talk – about uniforms, uh, training administration is different. The onboarding process is different. Mm-hmm. The, the power basis by which people operate in military, there's authority. Uh, in uh, the, the corporate world, it tends to be much more on a, a personal level. Mm-hmm. Compensation benefits, rewards and recognition. I could go on and on, mm-hmm. but there's literally uh, two dozen or more uh, cultural dimensions that are very different, all experienced at the same time. And that's why I think veterans' heads are left spinning many times uh, trying to figure out the world around them when they eventually land. I agree. And yet I think that there are some very good and and well-advertised uh, corporate onboarding processes now in place. And I think that we've seen a lot of improvement in this area. I, I saw yesterday that um, – I, th- I think I'm quoting this data correctly – that Veteran unemployment is now at 3% because people are being onboarded. Now, I think we're still seeing too much switching between jobs because the first one wasn't the right fit or the second one wasn't the right fit. And then there's another dimension that I want to bring up after the break. We're coming up on a break. And, and that is that oftentimes there is an expectation of rapid movement very quickly. And someone doesn't really want to hear that it's going to take them six months to a year to learn that job before they're considered for another one. Now, I'm speaking mostly of this was a study done with younger uh, veterans and civilians coming in where their expectations were that I'm bringing a lot to the table. I expect to move up. What is my career path? And I think we have to take a step back at some point and recognize that, you're starting over again. You are 
going to go methodically. You're going to have to prove yourself all over again. You're going to have to get fit reps that work. And so when we come back from this first break, I would love to talk about how we go in with expectations. Let's assume there's good onboarding, but how do we go in with good expectations to know what comes next and how to manage upward? Because I think that's not easy to do for anyone in a new job, but it is a valuable skill to learn. We will be back right after these messages. We're talking to Matt Lewis today about mission transmission. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. recording of our own voice, it always sounds different than we think. This is because the bones in our skull create a resonance from within that makes our voice sound deeper to us. But our recorded voice is how others hear us. I'm sure I'm not the first person who has uttered the words, I really don't sound like that. Do I? Margaret Thatcher famously underwent vocal training to lower her voice and make her sound more statesmanlike. Recently, British Airways polled Americans and Britons to see who they believed had the sexiest voices. Morgan Freeman was voted number one. If a judge loves the sound of his own voice, expect a long sentence. What's a word for a person who loves to hear the sound of their own voice? A philodox. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. Before the break, we were talking about how to go into a new position with realistic expectations because you are starting over. You're not going in as an E6 going to knowing you're going to go to be an E7. You are going in um, with less defined roles. And yet, of course, you know everybody wants to progress as quickly as they can, and they need a career path. But I think that's a hard thing to define, both on the employer side and on the employee side. So how do you counsel people as they're taking on, let's call it their first or even their second position following service separation? Yeah. Yeah, Linda, thanks for asking that. And uh, before we get into that, I think it's good to go in with a a basic understanding um, of what the other side has of you. Uh, The reality is these days we're experiencing what we like to call a civil-military gap, uh, wherein uh, literally 95% plus of those running the corporate world, which I'll characterize as uh, board members of the Fortune 1000, they have – no military experience whatsoever. And so if I'm a veteran coming out of the service, you know, 95% of those that that have the jobs that I would aspire to attain uh, have no idea who I am, what I've done, what I can do. Mm -hmm. And so it's incumbent upon us as transitioning veterans to to help them understand, to make the, the translation and speak in their language because they're not going to to learn our language. Uh, Second, to your point, is uh, in coming out, most veterans are going to end up in a non-government service where their skills don't immediately translate. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
data surveys show uh, only about 16% or so will end up uh, transitioning into a government-related role, typically in a similar skill set. So 84%, you know, most people far and away will transition into some other position, uh, likely outside of what they uh, did mm-hmm. as a, a military skill set. Mm-hmm. And so I think they need to come in with expectations. To your point, it is a whole new world. It's a, it's a new world run by individuals that likely have no idea who you are and what you've done. Mm-hmm. The other thing you have to understand, back to the cultural dynamics that I mentioned before, they are very different. And mm-hmm. when you're in the military, you know, time and grade and promotion tends to occur much more frequently, mm-hmm. uh, certainly compared to larger corporate civilian organizations. Now, there's another end of the spectrum saying smaller, more entrepreneurial organizations that they tend to reflect culturally uh, a bit more uh, like what you experienced in, in the military. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, percentage wise, again, most folks that end up in the public sector will do so in larger corporate environments. And those timing, times in grade, if you will, uh, tend to be much longer than what you experienced in the military. Mm-hmm. A, a way that uh, a transitioning veteran can get at that it, and part of understanding uh, expectations up front is to ask questions of, of the recruiters, of those with whom you're engaging in the organization. What can they expect from the career path. What is the career path? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is a, a typical time and grade? Uh, the the uh, employer should have that at their fingertips and be able to share that readily with you. Mm-hmm. That, that should not be a, a secret. It's funny, um, going back to what I said before the break, I, I had read an article about the fact that our younger uh, vets and also civilians are going into positions and expecting very quickly to be moved and with a better job market they have options and so this is a very interesting dynamic right now with the push-pull where employment is lower jobs are more available but that also means it's more competitive for the next job and so it is important to know what they anticipate and how you fit and what you need to do to excel in your new position. I think you bring up a very good point about entrepreneurial companies versus Fortune 1000 ones in that that's another thing to be very aware of as you're looking at what you want to do next because the cultural environment is very different for those two examples. Can you speak to that a little bit? Certainly. Uh, So, you know, and again, there's a a broad range of organizations and I'm uh, characterizing them, stereotyping, if you will, at at a a more macro level. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at at one end of the spectrum would be your stereotypical uh, large, some would say uh, bureaucratic uh, corporate world uh, where the the cultural dynamics, if I uh, line them up, and you'll you'll actually find this chart in my book. I, I line up all the cultural dimensions. I characterize the, the that of the military and what those organizations tend to look like, and, and contrast each of those dimensions against the the larger corporate organization. But I do the same at the other end of the spectrum, more mm-hmm. the smaller, more entrepreneurial civilian organizations. The the interesting thing that happens when you do that 
is the smaller, more entrepreneurial organizations culture-wise on most of the dimensions will appear to be more closely aligned to that culture that you experience in the military versus say the the more the larger uh, corporate organizations mm-hmm. and that's interesting because the percentage wise of veterans that actually end up matriculating into larger companies tends to be higher than the right. smaller medium sized companies but is that a risk factor is that a risk taking profile well, uh, it, it certainly could be. You're certainly taking on more risk um, with the, the smaller the organization that you're, you're moving into. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's something you, you talk about introspection. That is very much something that uh, individuals would need to be considered. Everyone's heard the story of someone that you know left the military, hit it big, went on a TV show, and suddenly they're a multimillionaire. Well, <laughs> That just—that's not that, the norm. That, no, it's certainly not the norm. And there are many other um, I, I, at risk. I'll use the word schemes that would help think lead people to believe that you, you invest in um, call whatever the, the the gimmick it is, and mm-hmm. you're you're set for life. And many, if not most times, that ends up not being the case. Overnight success you know, is seldom overnight. Yeah, I, I caution people because, you know, hopefully from your time in the military, you, you've saved up some. And by now or by the time you're getting out, usually it's not just you. There's normally a, uh, a spouse, if not a family involved. Right. And whatever move you make is not only your risk, it's your, your family's risk. And so I urge people in the book to to consider that. You know, one one other point I'll make here, uh, Linda, and it goes back to your point on introspection, the importance of this before you get out. Uh, Because this is not done sufficiently prior to getting out, uh, regardless of the efficacy of uh, Soldier for Life Transition Assistance Program, the reality is uh, uh, soldier, sailors, airmen, when they get out, they end up most times taking a job is to have any job just to backfill a revenue stream. And they haven't right. thought through what their optimal career path is. And through research and in, in my book, Mission Transition, we found that uh, you will double uh, the earnings and your wealth over the, the course of your career if you uh, uh, matriculate, if you transition into career that is an optimal one from the outset versus what is the typical norm to your point most veterans end up rotating out of their first role within the first year and a half Mm -hmm. and most of them don't find their optimal career field until their sixth post-military job which is incredibly sustained rate of failure and it's one of the main reasons that i wrote the book it's yeah and i I think i'm very glad you brought that up because i think that that is a a real problem during the time of the war where the up-tempo was so fast, literally people would come home from each deployment and have a new spouse and go right back and yeah. come back and get another new spouse. Yeah. So that by the time they got into the job market, they there wasn't enough time to take a look at what the changes had taken place. And so the same thing happened within the jobs. Okay, this job's not going to work. Uh, that job's not going to work. It's not right for me. And that's where you saw that really large chunk of years where there was serious problem. 
in terms of how people transitioned in and out, both on a family level and on a career level. Coming back to the family, though, I think you bring up a point that is very near and dear to my heart, which is that everyone does serve. And so family members and children even are ought to be, in my opinion, this is my opinion, considered as the next steps are taken. Where do you want to live? Do you want to be near family? Is is it necessary to relocate yet again? Or are you happy in your last duty station location? There are a lot of things to consider for a family that has often undergone a lot of sacrifice. And so those are things that are also part of this. Where's the job? Will it require multiple relocations again? And that's something that often people just think, I'm going to take this job and I'm going to be in it for 20 years. Not so. That's right. I mean, you hit on uh, the veteran unemployment figures. Well, it's an even larger figure for that of spouses. You know, you had a good mm-hmm. uh, radio show a couple of weeks ago on at that exact topic. Exactly. Uh, it got into that to some detail. Uh, you know, the, the other point I would raise on those unemployment figures, I think the more troublesome one is the underemployment figures. Again, mm-hmm. taking a job to have any job, not the job that you could optimally do with your, your skill set and your training and your background. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, again, the spouses suffer uh, even worse uh, in, in those areas than the transitioning veterans do. Which is also why they ought to be involved, in my opinion, uh, with the decision that comes next. Because That's right. they've been the trailing spouse for a long time. I was yep. a trailing spouse. There right. comes a point where, you know, you really do have to take the entire family into consideration and That underemployment is a very interesting point because there's two sides to that coin. And we're coming up on a break, so we'll start and we'll continue afterward. Sometimes it is important to get that first position and your foot in the door, prove yourself to move on, as opposed to waiting for that perfect position. We've all seen on LinkedIn where someone says, I've interviewed 200 times, but I can't get a job that fits my skills. Yes. Sometimes there's a point where you just need to take a a position that may not be 100%, but maybe it's 89% and get yourself in. It's easier to find a job when you have a job. True. And I would say as long as that 89% is directionally correct with regard to Mm -hmm. your optimal career field, then then sure uh what the typical reason behind you know i've thrown out 200 resumes is is because they haven't done the introspection they haven't done the thinking through who they are what they can be how their skills their their passions their strengths actually translate into something that would be of value uh, to the civilian world well, you're exactly right, and I, I, th- I would like to talk about that a little deeper when we get into this because I, uh, after the break because I think that's a very good point. So underemployment, yes, or is it strategic employment to get your foot in the door? I think there are two different things. We'll be back right after this break. We're talking about Mission Transition with Matt Lewis. We'll be right back. Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages.
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Salt is in nearly everything we eat, and many times it makes food taste so delicious. Even though the 2010 Dietary Guidelines for Americans recommends limiting sodium to less than 2,300 milligrams a day, Men's Health Magazine states that the average American takes in about 3,300 milligrams of sodium every single day. Your body needs some sodium to function properly because it helps transmit nerve impulses. It influences the contraction and relaxation of muscles, and it helps maintain the right balance of fluids in your body. But most of us are getting far more sodium than is recommended. Check out the sodium content in the foods you are eating and limit soy sauce, Parmesan cheese, bacon, smoked salmon, ramen noodles, and salami. It's time to kick the habit of too much sodium. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. Right before the break, we were talking about underemployment versus what I termed, and I made it up on the spot, strategic employment, which was to take that first job, get your foot in the door at a place where you feel you you fit the best and then can move from there or find another job while you've got a job. And we also talked about the fact that the family does have to have some involvement for an ideal transition. And you were talking about on our break that there are some portions in these chapters devoted to exactly that, taking into consideration the fact that everyone serves, especially the male spouses. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll start there. Uh, I, as soon as the, the second chapter in the book, I, I get into, and it, it carries on throughout, but any of this, the, the decisions that um, a veteran should face coming out needs to factor in uh, those with whom you, you're bringing, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a family, what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, if, if nothing else uh, has been proven to me over the course of the years from my moves either in the military or uh, in the corporate world since I've gotten out, is that you know they, the, the family, absolutely have a stake in everything that goes on here. Uh-huh. And not only do they want to to weigh in, they expect to weigh in because it it affects directly the outcomes <laughs> of, of their yes, lives. Yes, it does. Well, whether that's employment or education or, or what have you, or the so, children changing yeah, schools absolutely. one more time. That's right. So you know whether you when you're considering your industry, when you're considering the geography in which you want to relocate, when you're mm-hmm. considering the the type of role you want to have, and how much time that would let you stay home home versus be on the road, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those factors need to be uh, considered in concert, I believe, with the family. And the, the other thing I would add on that front is, you know, all the moving around you did in the military, that may or may not change once you end up in the corporate world, depending on how well you do, what type mm-hmm. of position you hold, you may be asked to relocate and and uh, public life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the nature of your role may involve travel. You know, early on in uh, my career, uh, I, there was quite a bit of travel, and that was before kids. And then after kids, I, I had to do more travel as well. And in recent years, as the kids got older, I decided to take on roles that had less travel. You know, mm-hmm. these are conscious, conscious decisions you're going to need to make as your career evolves. And I would just urge 
all transitioning veterans to uh, bring uh, whoever you're bringing with you, again, whether that's spouse or kids, uh, and have them weigh in as part of that decision. You know, another factor I would add in here is that I think it's very easy to want things now. I I want a job that doesn't cause me to travel. I want a job that gives me upward mobility very quickly. I want this much money. I want this much vacation. I want all of that all at once. And I think that, again, we need to recognize that in the corporate world or even in the military, that it's not so prescribed. And that setting your expectations uh, realistically is actually a really good thing to do. And the best way that I've seen vets work is to network with other veterans and with organizations that are bringing veterans in. And networking is not an instinctive thing in the military. People don't have LinkedIn accounts. They may not go to functions. There are many, many uh, veteran functions these days, hiring functions, as well as just social networking functions. And I think until you embrace the fact that you're going to have to search for your job this time. It's not going to choose you that not only do you have to have your resume, that's a given, but you've got to define what you're going to do with your networking. What is your purpose for going to this event? Is it to meet five new people? Is it to simply mingle and see what's offered and what is out there? I I think networking is rather a, a unique thing. It's gotten much bigger in the last five years that I've seen some really wonderful groups doing that now and and talk about some of the military myths that do debunk the whole networking concept because they are myths at this point yeah so there's that that's a great question and there's a lot that's that's in there let me start with uh, to your point around uh, expectations and strategic hiring uh, you know Regardless of how you entered the service, you went through some form of a, a basic training, and you know it, it, you did not pin on whatever rank you left with the, the first day you entered. And mm-hmm. there's a, a skill set that you learned. There's some basic things you had to go through, and, and all of it, not all of it was enjoyable. And you should expect coming into the corporate world, certainly not a basic training environment, but a a need to learn some basic skill sets and a need uh, to have to prove yourself over some period of time. Again, um, you're coming into a world where, by and large, these individuals don't know or don't understand you. And mm-hmm. it's incumbent upon you as the transitioning veteran to to help bridge that gap uh, because they're going to struggle much more uh, than, than you will in, in doing so. Uh, what do you to- think about reframing? In terms, and I'll ask it very specifically, there's there's a way to reframe this so that you can take it on as a challenge. You're going to go into your new position. You're going to show them that you are so well worth it. They are so, you know, blessed to have hired you and that you're going in. Or you can go in with these people don't get me. They don't understand me. They've never served. I'm different. I'm superior. And... That attitude does not bode well. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, and attitude is everything. Um, yeah, I, a positive person, and I, I coach that positivity uh, when I'm working one-on-one with individual veterans. Um, 
and to do to take on all of that with whoever you're interfacing with mm-hmm. in a positive manner makes all the difference in the world. Having been in a corporate world a while and having seen any number of veterans come across, the most disappointing are those that come out uh, either with, with a chip on their shoulder or an expectation in mm-hmm. that, you know, I, the attitude is, you know, I have done X, Y, Z for my country, therefore I'm entitled to, or you should give me a B. Uh, yes. And uh, that, that uh, is a, a quick way to put yourself, yourself? On, on the outside looking. Exactly. Exactly right. Uh, you know, you, you brought up networking before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I when I mentioned the book, I to your point, I, I try to debunk it because I recognize it, at least during my time in the military, networking took on a very negative connotation, mm-hmm. you know, that the catchphrase or a code word in the military is all about selfless service and networking was regarded as Smoothing. selfish service <laughs> as if you're trying to to get ahead right. beat the system right. uh what have you you know deals done and smoke filled back rooms that that sort of thing mm-hmm. and the, the reality is I mean, networking is the way that business gets done in the real right. world it, right. it's just the way that things happen and uh whether you enjoy Enjoy networking or not, it's something with which you're going to need to get familiar. And so I spend quite a bit of time on this in mission transition and walking you through mm-hmm. what networking is, uh, how you can do it, and how to, to break it down and structure it, as I do the entire book in a very practical manner, okay. in a crawl, walk, run approach that would be intuitive uh, to those of you coming out. And uh, so, uh, you know, you're going to have to go through it, and uh, you, you may not end up getting comfortable with it, but if nothing else, I'll show you the, the way to successfully uh, maneuver and utilize that as a tactic. That's funny. I, I think once you change your mindset that networking is not schmoozing, that is actually building relationships right. with contacts because you never know who knows someone else. And if the only thing that came out of a networking thing was that you got another name to go contact. That's right. It helps. I think the second thing I'd like to add to that, because I've seen it work very successfully, is that if you are able to help someone else with a name and a contact, your network grows exponentially. And so you can help yourself and you can help others by simply looking at networking as a way to meet other people who are like you, some are not like you, and both are beneficial experiences to helping you go into your next phase of life. You, you, you hit on a incredibly point forward there. And the, the, the longer I get into my career, the more I recognize that networking, it's, it's not only a two way street individually, but it, it's a two way street in terms of both uh, up and down the channel, if you mm-hmm. will, uh, to your point, there are reasons that I may need to proactively network to support uh, my career. But there's also an importance in networking for helping people out. And mm-hmm. frankly, I take more joy in, in the latter than the former. So do I. And, and there's nothing better than connecting people and something good coming of it. it. It makes you feel good. And it goes back to your service, why you went selfless service. It, it makes you feel very good to be able to connect the right people. And it usually comes right back to help you someday, maybe not immediately, it's it's a wonderful I, – I don't know. I embrace it. I, I love meeting people, and I love connect. I better enjoy connecting others. 
Yeah, and you're exactly right. I mean, frankly, this kind of gets to the the core of you know why I wrote Mission Transition to begin with, mm-hmm. is literally just to help people. I, mm-hmm. I saw a gap. We talked earlier about gaps uh, with veterans getting out and having coached any number of individuals over the years uh, because I had to really make up my own process. Having seen the the success that they found mm-hmm. in making that leap, I, I got a couple of consistent pieces of feedback. You know, one was a message of gratitude. Yes. And thank you for the help. Uh, the, the other was, boy, we, you should really find a way to scale this, you know, and mm-hmm. I always get the question, have you thought about writing a book? And I would scoff <laughs> at this uh, because I never considered myself an author. But, you know, fast forward 20 um, some odd years, and now I have my good friends uh, that I, you know, went down range with getting out, having spent their, they and their families entire lives in service to the country. Uh, many of them wounded in any number of ways mm-hmm. and for, you know, some intents and purposes left to fend for themselves. And this really upset me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I finally decided to put pen to paper uh, in an effort to try to, to close this gap. Um, and so this, this first book is focused on, you know, it's, it's a practical guide for veterans and their families in career transition. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mentioned during the last break, I'm in the midst of another one that's focused on the employer side, because I don't think you can holistically close the gap without speaking to both sides of the, of, of the gap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the second one will be focused on the employers, again, a very practical approach, helping them understand who this incredibly valuable talent pool is mm-hmm. and how you identify them, how you recruit, hire, uh, train and retain these folks. Cause they, as the, you know, voluminous business cases have shown uh, these folks are a different maker. They can make an incredibly big difference in the productivity of your organization. You just need to take a, a structured practical approach to bring these folks on. I love it. It's it's very practical and it's very useful and I I think that well we will put the link in our show notes to the uh, book and where to find it, but it's also very important that it is practical and applicable right away. We're going on our final break. We will be back and continue again afterward with our discussion with Matt Lewis about mission transition, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hog a dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. It's marching. 
Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion, and we're in our last segment with Matt Lewis. And I'd love if we could talk about how once you do acclimate, once you do assimilate, how do you work to help other veterans coming in? I know many veterans who I've talked with and know have created onboarding programs in their companies or they have served in a a company for a long while and then decided that it is now time to be an entrepreneur and, and they've researched it and go forward and help others find out how to do that as well. So you can make changes as you go, but finding new meaning in your work is important. Keeping your family happy, joining support networks, all of this is important because together we are all stronger. So I wonder if you could speak to the fact that it does appear that there is a changing atmosphere in the veteran transition and employment space or or transitioning to school or entrepreneurship that is being done in a collaborative effort, more of a mission uh, critical effort. Can you speak to that? Yeah, Linda, certainly. And there is, I mean, certainly in comparison to the Vietnam generation that came home to a a very different home front, uh, things are dramatically improved. Uh, Most organizations tend to have business resource groups, I'll call them generically. And typically among those are veteran-focused resource groups. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to your point, focus on enabling the network inside the organization, but also recruiting those from from outside the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there's lots of positive things going on um, in the corporate world, and no lack of them. But pick your organization of choice, and um, on their website, search for veterans, and you'll probably turn up uh, whatever they have going on internally. The, the other thing that I might uh, add, who I think are tremendous vehicles, uh, uh, for enabling support for veterans coming out. And I happen to serve on the board of one, mm-hmm. are what are called veteran collaboratives. Right. And just for some context here, you know, I, I think transition uh, involves three main stakeholder groups, obviously the veteran and their families, the employers, but, but and the third is the government to create them in the first place. Now, mm-hmm. I, I have no plans to, to write a book or move the needle on the government front, but what I think... We, <laughs> Good luck we with can, that. You'll get a headache. Yeah, what, what we can do or enable uh, on our side to help close this gap are support veteran collaboratives. And for, for those that aren't familiar with them... Um, some good context here would be when a, a military member transitions from base to base or post to post, they go, undergo a formal process mm-hmm. of transitioning out of one place and into another. Well, when they depart the service, uh, it, it, it's a very, very formal out-processing uh, process, but when they get to their community in which they're going to settle, there's really nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, veteran collaboratives fill that gap. And they act as your one-stop shop, if you will, in your in-processing center in your local community. And I'll just illustrate the one in in mine uh, to give you a sense of uh, who they are, what they do. So the name of the organization is Tri-State Veterans Community Alliance. And in greater Cincinnati area, the 16-county area that surrounds Cincinnati, there's no fewer than 2,500 nonprofits that have the word veteran in their vision or mission statement. All good intent, all goodwill. 
uh, but not all of it coordinated and provided to the veteran <laughs> in the point time Shocking. place that he or she needs it. Right. And so that's what, what TVCA, as we call it, uh, becomes as a collaborative. You would in process into that organization and. And they would take an inventory on whatever your needs are. Is it health care? Is it employment? Is it education? Is it financing? Is it housing? And the list goes on and on. And that collaborative would pull in the resources from th that set of 2,500 uh, 501c3s and provide those services where you as a transitioning veteran would need them so that you can get up to speed in that community much more effectively and efficiently. I think it makes sense. It puts more heads together. It puts more experiences together. It puts people of varying ranks and titles and levels and jobs and all of it together. Right. And I think that's yeah. very important. If, if we're all the same, we're not really going to be getting new information. If we are diverse, I think it really does help because, again, no one size fits all. People are very unique. And so if we embrace the unique and then embrace the collaborative effort, the two make a very powerful ally. That's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, to your point of uh, in, individuals in the, the corporate world or in, in the community, generally speaking, these are all great avenues by which you can support. I, I mentioned TVCA. There's uh, – several dozen uh, others like them around the country. And, you know, another item or two I might mention, and just in the interest of uh, supporting veterans, you know, what is just help get the word out? There is so much, I, I call it, you know, misinformation out there, whether it's driven by, you know, Hollywood stereotypes or whatnot. But, you know, let's let the facts be known. You know, mm -hmm. Linda show here on a weekly basis is out, you know, thumbing all of the, the basics about reality of uh, military service and transition. So get that message out, whether it's, you know, my book, Mission Transition, uh, Johnson Constantine, one of the co-hosts here, mm -hmm. uh, his book. Get get the facts out, let the facts be known. The, the, the other point I would make, you know, is back to one of our earlier points, is employing veterans. Again, while the, the employment rates are low, and that's great, uh, underemployment is a concern and mm -hmm. unemployment and underemployment of spouses, spouses. and family members. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, take advantage. Of it's, again, an incredibly valuable talent pool. Lots of business cases that substantiate this. Uh, take advantage of them, but do it in an educated manner. And uh, that's that's where the, my second book comes in. But that, that's for a future show. <laughs> I think the most important thing is, as people are looking to go into their next phase of their career is that if you're in the military, you are used to solving problems. You are an amazing problem-resolving machine. And you, you may have to temper that at times because the civilian world could move a little slower than you're used to. Or there could be things in a new job that you're not aware of because of where you are. So in order to maximize your potential, I think not only self-awareness before you get in, but continuing self-awareness, continuing networking, joining these veteran collaboratives where you can talk about these things, because sometimes they're very frustrating. And instead of letting it get frustrating, sometimes reframing it to make it 
a positive and okay, I have a new mission. I need to see how I can alter the perception of X and see if I can't move around it. Because I think that if you have that problem resolution skill set, which I think almost everyone in the military has because you have to make do with what you've got to get the mission done, period. I think it gives you opportunity that not everyone else has. And so maximizing the potential of where you and your family go next is fantastic. I want to make sure people know how to find out more information about you. And so your website is Matthew W. Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, Dot com. That's Matthew with two T's. Matthew. Yep. Matthew, Matthew J. Matthew J. J. Lewis. Lewis right. oh, I'm sorry. I read it wrong. Yep. Matthew right. J. Lewis dot com. And it will be in our show notes for certain. And um, you mentioned uh, on the break that you were limited to a word limit on this book so that you have extra content available at your website. <laughs> Yes, the the wonders of modern day publishing. Uh, <laughs> traditionally published books do have word limits, uh, and so I was c- confined uh, to a, a word count that um, I wasn't necessarily happy with. But the the upside is you now have access, uh, free access to twenty five thousand uh, words worth of content <laughs> that wow. are now on on my website uh, again, MatthewJLewis.com. Lewis like the city, St. Louis. Uh, so feel free to check it out, especially the resources page. Uh, no lack of additional. And, and frankly, I, I have an expectation, and I, I state this up front in the book as well, th- that content there should really be used in concert with the book. Uh, so please uh, avail yourself of it, uh, have at it, and it, it plays uh, very well with, with the content in the book. Well, I I think there's always good reason to learn more. That's the other thing that I think is perhaps underrepresented, especially in younger generations of veterans, and the importance of reading, because reading gives you a depth that a quick video cannot, that a blog post cannot, and I, I urge you to constantly read good content, because we are such a nation of sound bites and snippets and misunderstandings that if you can work to be a better communicator by reading good information, by constantly learning, you constantly learned in the military. Why would you stop once you leave? And that helps you to gain new opportunities. You can create your own positions in some cases in companies when you note that this, this, and this isn't being done. How about we take that on? And so again, Communication, in my view, is always at the root of good progress or giant hurdles. And so I I would urge everyone to take the time to surround yourself with good content, whether it's on Matt's website, Matthew J. Lewis, like the city, L-O-U-I-S dot com, or in book form, no matter what it is, continue to learn. Do you agree with that premise? I, I couldn't agree anymore. Uh, you know, in the military, regardless of whether you're enlisted or officer ranks, there's professional development pro- programs uh, that you have. And typically there's reading lists involved there. And uh, I, I would like to see, uh, you know, books like Mission Transition end up on the required reading list on, on some of those uh, mm-hmm. folks that are coming out. Um, you know, I, I know we're getting close here, Linda. Let, let me just you're add fine. a, a, You've a got closing. You've got two minutes. 
Yep. Yeah, let me add another closing thought or two. Uh, with individuals coming out, you know, do not lose heart. Uh, um, regardless of how much introspection you've done, and again, that's how I start the book, uh, where I think you need to be focused, but uh, don't lose heart. Understand that you're bringing with you an incredible uh, base of skills. Uh, you just need to understand how your personal passions, your strengths, uh, can leverage that skill set, those trainings, and into something that's going to add some value to an enterprise in the in the real world. And that could take on one of many flavors. It is a a whole new world with a ton of opportunities. There are no lack of individuals out here like myself uh, standing ready to to support and help you uh, make that leap. It's not easy, uh, but it can be done uh, with you know shows like. Like Linda's and uh, uh, books like mine. So please take advantage of everything that's out there. It's a far better place to be starting than, you know, a, a generation uh, or two ago post-Vietnam. Absolutely right. And thank you so much for sharing your information with us. We will post the links to the book and to Matt's website in the show notes. And it, it's very important that we yeah. balance out the the veteran, the family, the collaboratives, and the effort that I believe the United States is truly making across the country to hire our veterans and to honor them. So thank yeah. you for your service. Yeah, thank you. And, and when you're done, after you've transitioned, please share your lessons learned. Pay it forward and help out those coming behind you. Absolutely right. Thank you again, and we will talk next week. You take care. Have a good week, everyone, and we'll talk again next week. Make it a good one. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com and in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance your